Welcome to Rick's Rumbling. This is episode one of the Status series. And uh, so we're going to embark upon finding out what it was that was necessary in order for the free man to be able to do what needed to be done. And, and of course, you know, what did he need to do as far as that goes too. And so we call, I call this more or less the free man, democracy, and the new order of the ages. Now this is simply because what the founding fathers did was totally new. It's unique in all the world. You know, and what they put together in forming the Republic has yet to be duplicated. And of course, it was all defeated with, you know, when, well, we'll get to that. Because the, uh, the underlying issue has been and still is, you know, is involuntary servitude or slavery. And the primary concern here is that the, uh, is access to the land. This is the thing. And people all the way up until the time of our founding fathers really didn't have access to the land. They mean they lived on the land and, and they were, uh, you know, all that stuff, but they were never able to assume full responsibility for the land. And in the sense that they also had the authority that goes along with the responsibility. And, and this is what they had to be put in place. And unfortunately, with the, the biggest issue of, of, at the time of the Constitution and the reason they had everything behind closed doors was simply because of the dissent amongst those, you might say, of the got bucks. And this is where we uh, point again to the what I call the giants. You know, they're the ones who have the purse strings and they're, they're the boss. That's all there is to it. I mean, it's, it's, that's the way it works. And you can say all you want one way or the other, but it's, it's who has control of the money that determines what happens. And and that's it's just it's just as simple as that, and 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 so consequently, there was you know all of the parties present at the time uh, were aware of this problem, and and they they knew that if if they so to speak opened the doors, you know that it it wasn't just the blacks, it was just the because you know there was a certain form of voluntary servitude as well. And that's, that's another story, but the involuntary servitude was, you know, the thorn in their side. And so consequently, it wasn't addressed. It wasn't anything put in the constitution that made it explicit. And this, this was the thing, you know, that really 
you know, became a problem later on. And, and that was when, again, you know, the economic issues came about in the time before, you know, in the 1860s. And I, you know, have, I haven't done sufficient research, but I believe that if a person does sufficient research, and I've heard from people that have, that the economics were such that there was an unfair tax on the South. And then not in the sense that they, they did it strictly because of that, but more that the, the kind of thing that was being produced in the South was under the tax laws, more so than not. And one of the biggest sources of revenue was sugar. And the South, of course, was growing the bulk of it. And so consequently, they were paying a much higher uh, amount of taxes than the North just for that one item. And, and this was their complaint that, hey, we're footing the bill for the whole thing. And, you know, the federal government is getting virtually, you know, I don't know what the percentage was, but it was more than half was coming from the southern states. And so this was their issue that precipitated the Civil War. And the whole thing about involuntary servitude was, was really not in the picture, you know, directly, you might say. And quite a bit of, you know, several years of, uh, of fighting went on. And, of course, the, the South was, was, was more or less winning, uh, more so than not. It was, it's, you know, it's the same old thing. If you invade, we invaded Vietnam and we couldn't win over there. Well, it was the same deal with the North. They, they in, were the invaders and it's a guerrilla war more so than not. And so it, it was, you know, virtually unwinnable. And so this is when they used the involuntary, excuse me, involuntary servitude, more or less like a Trojan horse, because they took the, what do you call, cover off of it, so to speak, or roll it into there, and, and they did this with the 13th Amendment. And you have to understand now, we have to go back and see what it was that precipitated the 13th Amendment. <laughs> see, because the the things, there was no, you know, this is where you get back into the eensy beensies. There, there was no, uh, the 11th, 12th, and 13th Amendments were done by the democracy. You see, and so this is why we talked about the two constitutions. The Republic's Constitution stops at the Tenth Amendment because you can't add the Eleventh, Twelfth, and so on. All of the rest of the amendments cannot be 
in the Constitution of the Republic. They can only exist in the Constitution of the democracy. And they both have the same Constitution all the way up till the 11th Amendment. And so you guys say, well, geez, how did that happen? I mean, what, where's this bull about two uh, constitutions? And so you have to go you now back and see what was it that the problem when it was being solved by the founding fathers. And it was that the question of how do you who's the sovereign who's the one that's the boss you see and it's got to be the king but we can't have just one king because we have to have the free man and so this is their problem because it was the free man had to be a sovereign and so this meant that he had to be able to hold land like a king and how are you going to do that you see how are you going to have a multitude of kings and so they had to come up with something and this is the thing that, that was pointed to by ben franklin and the thing that they came up with was that there would be what is called a dual federation. This was the new order of the ages. So what were they doing to put in place the possibility with this dual federation? And the way it worked was that you had to have two systems of laws we talked about before, that in order for the free man to have what is called a loyal title to land, he had to be of the status of a king. However, in the world, there is no, uh, how would you put it, the international law does, is, is not, a, uh, it's, it's what's called admiralty law or a civil law. And the difference between them is like we talked before about, you know, the law of the land and the law of the sea. And the reason that international law is the law of the sea is because they are like continents and islands and so on that are separated by the ocean. And so that's why the predominant law of international law has more to do with admiralty than it does with the common law. But in order to have a king-like individual that's called a free man, you had to have what's called common law. And this is a law that was adopted from England and had to be altered, you know, so that the common law in America was a variation of the common law in England and a great deal of similarities but it, it really never got fully put in place because it was what 1776 uh by 1800 you see we're already seeing the it's starting to disappear you know 1810 20 30 you know and so by 1860 it's it's in serious 
problems because the understanding of the fact that there's a dual federation is is going away this is not being taught in school uh it's not being discussed in public meetings and so on and so people aren't aware of the fact that the entity that's in washington dc has two jobs they have a full-time job as being the representative of the republic to the rest of the world and they have a part-time job somewhat overseeing a, a you know a couple of different things a very limited capacity over the republic itself and so you've got this two sides of congress and they really haven't got much to say about what's going on in Wisconsin or Alabama or Washington or, or any of these other places. They have more to say about what's the foreign policy and how we're going to handle this and that and the other thing and, and so on. And so it's, it's a completely different ball game compared to what we have today. And so consequently, the North, you know, whoever's behind, whoever was pushing, you know, the Giants, I believe, were behind the North trying to put into play what was, what we now see as being the problem as far as keeping the uh, uh, whole involuntary servitude under the rug, so to speak. And so they revealed it and said, you know, that the South is a bad guy for doing this. Well, of course, the North wasn't any better, you know, you know qualitatively. But quantitatively, yeah, there were more involuntary servants in, in the South. But the North was going along with it just as badly in terms of, you know, they did, they you know, they didn't stop it in the North until it was the Civil War. And then they made this 13th Amendment, you know, the proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation. And, well, this is like, uh, excuse me, what, uh, you know, you couldn't really make this proclamation until you had this, the, the ceasing of hostilities because what this meant was that to the victor belong the spoils you see the the south was conquered and so this was what in you know the, the issue was settled by you know there's you know the the way you settle issues you know as far as in court and by uh, well, what is it? The by a challenge, you know, what do they call that when you're you're given a challenge of some kind? You know, that's usually like you've got to go out and rescue the damsel or something like that. And and then what they call the uh, the one of by combat, trial by combat, trial by ordeal, and trial by uh, jury and trial by judge. And so this issue between the states ended up being a trial by combat. 
And so to the victor belong the spoils. And so they basically took away the sovereignty of the South by doing so. And that allowed them now to offer to be a single entity that can, as the victor, make edicts of one kind or another. But, of course, the problem was that they didn't have any jurisdiction in the continental, you know, in, in the states themselves. Federal jurisdiction was extremely limited and still is if you're, if you're under the republic. But if you're under the democracy, no. Federal jurisdiction is in full force and effect in its own way. And it is different, and you know, from a legalist perspective, it's a different kind of jurisdiction than what they would have otherwise. You know, like for interstate commerce, for instance, or the post office, or having the uh, the coining of the money. These are places where the federal government had its sway for their own reasons, you know, or for the reasons that were set up by the founding fathers. And uh, so anyway, this is what they did by putting in place this dual federation so that it would be possible to create a space, so to speak, for the free man. And so when we get going uh, next time, I'm going to go more into just what it was that the free man had to come up with, because it wasn't just that they had this, you know, responsibility for the land and, you know, the alloidal proper hold, property holding, but they had to maintain their sovereignty. This was the thing. These were the two things that the Constitution was put in place for, was to hold the position of the free man in the world. As, as long as he maintained his status, he had sway in the way that they set it up. And so we'll get into that more when the time comes next on the next episode of the status. And so we'll, we'll be looking at it then.